Welcome to the Betterish Podcast. I'm Angie. And I'm Malin. We can't guarantee this podcast will improve your life, but we hope it will at least make you laugh and think about being better-ish. Hey, Angie, good morning. Hey, Malin, happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. I went to Mexico. Oh my gosh, Angie, you went to that place where there was that massacre. Yeah, it was the same state. Go check out my pictures and posts on Instagram about it. It was actually a really good experience, and we had an awesome time. We were safe, and it was a really good cultural experience for my kids because we were not, like, in a beachy resort town. We were there for my husband's cousin's wedding, and his family is from there, so we did a lot of really cool things. So anyway, go. I'm Angela Grams on Instagram if you want to go. I'm really proud of you. see my really cool Mexico trip that I was on. What an adventure. (laughs) Yes, I'm proud of you. All right. I'm, I'm really proud of you, too. I don't leave the country. I was going to say often, but never. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I didn't often travel internationally. I went to Canada one time. Maybe I've twice. I went to Canada. Lucky. Oh, it's beautiful. We should go. Okay. Let's After New Angie Orleans. Mullen take Canada. Oh, yeah. We have, Angie, we have got to just schedule yeah. out a month. Should we just leave our families for a month and go? Yes. Good idea. All right. Sounds good. Well, so last week we talked about uh, balance, which isn't real, but like mostly keeping a flexible balance for stay-at-home moms. Today we just wanted to talk about doing that same thing, but for working moms, because we recognize that while there are a lot of similarities, there are a lot of differences. And on Pinterest, I always see like um, working moms like making little quips at stay-at-home moms, vice versa. Like, oh, moms, let's just love and support each other. We're all just trying our best, right? Yep. There's no mommy war. And as moms who have both worked outside the home and stayed home, this episode is all about our advice, tips, and resources we're sharing for the working mom. And I can attest that being at work when your kids are with someone else comes with a certain amount of guilt. I would Mm -hmm. always worry, what if they got hurt and they're crying for me and I'm not there? Or what if my son walks? He went to childcare when he was a baby up until he started walking and said his first words. And I always worried that I wasn't going to be there. So we're going to talk about how to overcome that guilt and some things to help make life less stressful. But first, I'm going to start with a quote from, guess, guess what book it is? It's Lean, Lean In. in. <laughs> it's Lean In. How did you know? I knew it. I knew it. to read this book. So Sheryl Sandberg, she, she shared this quote um, about how equality between partners leads to happier relationships. So don't feel guilty. Here's the quote. Here's what she says. When husbands do more housework, wives are less depressed, marital conflicts decrease, and satisfaction rises. When women work outside the home and share breadwinning duties, couples are more likely to stay together. In fact, the risk of divorce reduces by about half when a wife earns half the income and a husband does half the housework. For men, participating in child rearing fosters the development of patience, empathy, and adaptability, characteristics that benefit all of their relationships. For women, earning money increases their decision-making ability in the home, protects them in case of divorce, and can be important security in later years, as women often outlive their husbands. Also, and many might find this the most motivating factor, couples who share domestic responsibilities have more... This is, kids might be listening, so intimate time. It may be counterintuitive, but the best way for a man to make a pass at his wife might be to do the dishes. I just loved that. I was like, there are statistics to back up that you working is not damaging your marriage and not damaging your kids. I have one more statistic and quote that I want to share with you that your kids are doing just fine. In 1991, hold on. In 1991, the Early Child Care Research Network, under the auspices of the National Institute of Child Health and Human Development, 
initiated the most ambitious and comprehensive study to date on the relationship between child care and child development, and in particular, on the effect of exclusive maternal care versus child care. I think that's where a lot of the guilt comes from, right? Like, someone mm-hmm. else is taking care of my kid. What if they call them mommy? That was me. The research network which comprised more than 30 child development experts from leading universities across the country, spent 18 months designing the study. They tracked more than 1,000 children over the course of 15 years, repeatedly assessing the children's cognitive skills, language abilities, and social behaviors. Dozens of papers have been published about what they found. In 2006, the researchers released a a report summarizing their findings, which concluded that, quote, Children who were cared for exclusively by their mothers did not develop differently than those who were also cared for by others. They found no gap in cognitive skills, language competence, social competence, ability to build and maintain relationships, or in the quality of the mother-child bond. Parental behavioral factors, including fathers who are responsive and positive, Mothers who favor, quote, self-directed child behavior and parents with emotional intimacy in their marriages influence a child's development two to three times more than any form of child care. One of the findings is worth reading slowly, maybe even twice. Quote, exclusive maternal care was not related to better or worse outcomes for children. There is thus no reason for mothers to feel as though they are harming their children if they decide to work. I love that. I, yeah, boom. That's all you need. So get the guilt out of your mind. You are not hurting your kids. There's absolutely zero evidence that the children of stay-at-home moms are going to fare better than the children of working moms. Your kids are going to be fine. However, that doesn't mean being a working mom is easy. Certainly not. We certainly have our specific set of struggles trying to balance between our responsibilities at work, our responsibilities at home, maintaining our relationships, and etc. So we have a list of not balanced because spoiler alert there is no such thing as balance but ways to help make life run more smoothly with less stress for working moms melinda take it away take it away all right the first one it's the same one that we have for stay-at-home moms it's just have a backup emergency helper to ease your mind um you never know if something's going to happen if you have an emergency if you're late at work if if you need someone to step in and help you with child care to pick up a child um have a friend or a person that you can rely on um, and maybe even two or three people so that if someone's busy. But I feel like for me that just whenever I move to a new place, I like panic for a minute until I find a friend that I can, that I would trust to do that. And because it, well, especially I've talked to you guys about Jennifer before, my neighbor, Jennifer, who is my life guru. Um, I met her at the pool this summer when we moved into this new neighborhood. Have I told this story before on the podcast about how, um, both of our we found out that both of our kids were going to be in school together in the same grade and everything and she was she asked me we became like really fast friends and she was like hey if um if anything happened at the school could I put your number as my emergency contact and I was like oh my goodness like here it's like my neighbor like yeah of course like same here and then it was so funny too because she texted me from the school filling out the papers and she's like um what's your last name oh (laughs) because we had just met but it was like this instant like like we were both just these moms who wanted the best for our children and had that support and Jennifer and I are good friends now and we text each other all the time like oh your kid like we we watch out for each other's kids and I would do anything for Jennifer and I know that she would do anything for me like it's good to have somebody it just gives you peace of mind yeah and when we first moved here we just moved recently also knew nobody in the area 
And I asked my bosses or my husband's boss, I asked his wife if she would be my kids' manager. I didn't know anyone else. All I had met was I work from home now, but my husband is a dentist and he's working under another dentist. I didn't know anyone. And so I met his wife and I didn't know her that well, but I knew that, you know, they have this practice. She lived here for a while. And I said, will you be my kid's emergency contact? And mm-hmm. my kids met her and got to know her. And I think that's important too. You can use your professional contacts for your personal life. There's a whole chapter in Lean In about how we need to stop, like work is part of your life. You don't have two separate lives. They're one life. Talk about your kids at work and have empathy for people who have childcare issues. One of our tips, one of my overarching tips is we need a lobby. We have a really huge problem in the United States that a lot of workplaces and public policies are not family friendly but Mm -hmm. we can start by talking about it at work if there's not a place to pump say it say something about it and Cheryl Sandberg talks all about that about designated pregnancy parking spots anyway start with if you have no one else start at work build personal relationships in your professional setting bring them outside of work to meet your kids but then you can use your professional contacts as personal lifelines the second tip that I have is when you are dealing with the people who will take care of your kids, set boundaries and guidelines for how you want them to communicate with you. And even if my kid took his first steps at daycare, don't tell me about it. First of all, you don't know those were his first steps. Maybe he took his first steps last night and I didn't say anything. If you, <laughs> if he takes his first steps that you have seen, don't tell me. Wait till I come back the next day or in a few days and say, oh my gosh, Max took his first steps and then be so excited with me because guess what? In the long run, it doesn't freaking matter when he took his first freaking steps. And don't rain on my parade by telling me that you saw him take his first steps because I may or may not have seen it yet. So do not hesitate to set boundaries like that. Also, a lot of child care providers have, they have so many different like apps and software where you can both be connected to an app and they can check in with you during the day. But I always preferred child care providers who were very involved like that would send me pictures and updates throughout the day. So don't hesitate to be thorough in screening your child care providers. And if you don't have a lot of options, then don't be hesitant to communicate what you want. Say, hey, I moved from this area and they I really liked that his daycare provider there did this. Is there something, you know what I mean? Like advocate for your kid and what kind of relationship you want with the people who are taking care of them. Like they're a very important part of your support system. So it, you need to make sure you're 100% comfortable and that you're in the loop of what's going on. Yeah, I feel too the same goes for teachers. Like if when your kids are in school, go to the teacher and say, hey, I'm a working mom. This is my schedule. I'm very busy. My children are struggling with this at home. Like, I, I need help in this department. Like, this homework is too much. Like, I would like it if you tell me how they did during the day. And I know that teachers are very, very busy. But if you go in very lovingly and tell this teacher kind of your family dynamic and what you need and what's best for your child, they will work with you. Yes, absolutely. Everyone wants – I know sometimes we feel like there's a mommy war going on that people – I think that's just our own self – talk like sabotaging that people are judging us but I think in reality most people want everyone else around them to be successful and happy we don't want nobody wants to sabotage you everyone wants your kid to be successful and you know what I mean so don't hesitate to voice your needs our third tip is you have got to make time for yourself and I know you're probably rolling your eyes at us because when the heck are you supposed to make time for that but you schedule it I have a friend who has a standing babysitter every Thursday afternoon because she gets off work and she has to make time for herself because you matter you still matter and when you're giving your best at work and you come home and you give your best to your husband and your kids what about you what about your hobbies if you strip all of that away who are you and I want to read another quote that will probably make you feel a lot better about how you spend your time so 
this is from Leonid, of course. She <laughs> says, um, if there's a new normal for the workplace, there is a new normal for the home too. Just as expectations for how many hours people will work have risen dramatically, so have expectations for how many hours mothers will spend focused on their children. In 1975, stay-at-home mothers spent an average of 11 hours per week on primary child care, which is defined as routine caregiving and activities that foster a child's well-being, like reading and fully focused play. Mothers employed outside the home in 1975 spent six hours doing these activities. Today... Stay-at-home mothers spend 17 hours per week on primary child care on average, while mothers who work outside the home spend about 11 hours. This means that working moms today spend about the same amount of time on primary child care activities as stay-at-home moms did in 1975. So I know. So cut yourself some slack. You are doing as much as the stay-at-home moms in the 70s did for your parents, right? So you can scale back a little bit. Ask for help. Don't feel bad. You know, leaving your kid with a sitter on a night you've already been gone for work all day. Because like we said in the beginning, your kids having alternate forms of childcare is not hindering them. In the long run, they were going to be just fine. So take care of yourself because your kids are going to suffer if their mother is suffering. Don't let yourself suffer. I think uh, this, I mean, everyone knows this, but it's like the whole bucket thing. Like if your bucket's empty, you have nothing else to give. And I think as moms, we always run our bucket buckets to the very bottom and we have nothing else to give you got to take care of yourself and just like you would schedule a meeting at work schedule a date with yourself take care of yourself don't feel bad about it yeah think about how you feel when you are running on empty like how do you treat like on a day-to-day basis like what does your day look like when you're depleted is it running late and scrambled and feeling not very put together which makes you feel insecure all day and then you come home and that insecurity you know how you felt disheveled all day spills over into how you treat your husband you're short with them your kids right nobody needs any of that but if you do take time maybe it's every day maybe it's waking up early in the morning to get your day off right maybe it's taking uh, an afternoon every thursday or taking sunday mornings for yourself to i don't know engage in your hobbies maybe go do some self-care physical self-care like a pedicure maybe it's playing the piano maybe it's learning a new hobby catching up with old friends taking that time just to call your parents or grandparents whatever it is if you feel like you're living for someone else 24 hours a day your kids will suffer yeah so you need to take this tip seriously. The next thing is routine. And we talked about this in the stay-at-home mom episode that things run so much more smoothly when kids know what to expect. And as I said too in the last episode, my friend Kelsey told me that with balance, the key is to be flexible. And so have a good routine, but also life happens and you can't always stick to it. Don't don't go crazy and think that everything is gonna fall apart and you have to change everything if one little thing goes wrong. Like just be flexible. And I think routine is so important. And your kids will thrive if they know what to expect, who's going to pick them up when, when mom's going to come home, you know, if their chores, we're going to talk more about that too. I'm going to read something else from Lean In. She said, in the last 30 years, women have made more progress in the workforce than in the home. According to the most recent analysis, when a husband and wife are both employed full-time, the mother does 40% more childcare and about 30% more housework than the father. Even if you're both working, the women are doing more. A 2009 survey found that only 9% of people in a dual earner marriage said that they shared housework, childcare, and breadwinning evenly. So while men are taking on more household responsibilities, this increase is happening very slowly, and we are still far from parity. Wow, that's wild. 
Yeah. And so I think as you set up routines, it's really important that your husband is an equal participant in the process of creating these systems in your house. There is no reason that he can't be involved in drop off and pick up and meal, housework, etc. So don't overburden yourself unnecessarily. Your your life needs to be the responsibilities of taking care of a home and children need to be split equally between the two people in charge. Yeah. And I think uh, to go along with that and flexibility, I think that working moms um, have much less flexibility. Like you have to be at work at a certain time. You have lunch at this time. Like you have to pick up your kids from childcare at this time. You. So I think it's important to plan things far out in advance, plan out in advance for the whole week, like which, which parent is going to fulfill which responsibility. Have, have it written down in the home where everybody can see it. Um, and then we also have a few other tips that we just picked up online that uh, working moms said worked for them. Um, one of them is to buy a year's worth of birthday cards or gifts at once or randomly when you're already at the store. So you're saving time because you're not going to go out every time you have to buy a gift or a card for somebody. Um, another one is Amazon Prime. As much stuff as you can. You can do the subscribe and save. Um, random little things like my kids will need like tape or something and th- it's not an immediate need but I'll be like oh I don't need to run to the store for tape I can just Amazon Prime that for the same price um, next one is take advantage of grocery shopping uh, pick up services at the grocery store services like HelloFresh that deliver uh, food to you that you can prepare hire out anything you can if, if you've got the money for it and if you're just burnt out if you want to hire a cleaning lady hire a cleaning lady lawn care hire it whatever you want to hire out, do it and don't feel bad about it. And then uh, the other thing was to have two to three go-to babysitters um, just in case like the tip number one, in case you need help for when you're just losing your mind and need a little extra you time, have some babysitters on call. And we talked about this in the last episode too about using care.com, how that's legit and a lot of people do it and if you will just go and interview babysitters meet them at starbucks or something interview them and then you can find somebody that will work with your family and i'm going to talk more at the end about child care because i know this is a huge source of stress for working moms because it's so dang expensive it's the Mm -hmm. cost of college tuition Mm-hmm. And I don't think it should be a hindrance to women pursuing their careers. However, I just want to share uh, that I have a very good friend who has an au pair. And I was like, oh, mm. you fancy. She's, a, <laughs> she's in the military. So is her husband. They're both in the military. And when I and I really wanted my I really want my kids to learn Portuguese because their dad is from Brazil. And he just doesn't speak Portuguese to them. So I was <laughs> like, you know, I really we can't move to Brazil. The next best thing is having someone who speaks Portuguese here. And I thought, what if we got an au pair? But how expensive? Like, I just started looking into it, like thinking it was crazy unreasonable. And it wasn't. And after I talked to my friend about it, there are some big administrative costs up front. Like you have to pay for their visa and all this stuff and pay the agency. But then I think they pay them $119 or $120 a week. And they live in your house and they stay home with your kids. And it's that one-on-one attention your kids get. You know what I mean? Like they're a member of your family loving only on your kids. They get like um, a day and a half off a week or they work like 36 hours a week. They get weekends off and like two paid vaca- two weeks of paid vacation. I don't remember. Look up the details. But if you have always thought for, I just always thought that was something that like super wealthy people did that I could never afford and it would still be a big cost, but arguably more affordable 
than a lot of other childcare options, to be honest. If you compare the price of an au pair with how much a very high-end, top-rated childcare facility, it may be an option for you. I was really surprised to find that people I actually knew had au pairs. Like, I grew up, like, watching the movie Au Pair on, <laughs> on like, ABC right? Family, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, an au pair. But that's a thing. It's like, a, a lot of people do it. So anyway, look yeah, it up. Might as I well. think, too, that also goes with other services. I grew up in a household where my parents did everything. Like, you don't hire it out unless you absolutely can't figure out how to do it and my brother runs a service-based business and I was like oh like yeah I guess people do hire people to do services and so when I became an adult and needed extra help with things looking into it in my head it was always just crazy expensive because my parents just did everything themselves and like why wouldn't they hire somebody they were just very self-sufficient but now I'm like it's actually not that expensive to have somebody come care for your lawn or to clean your house like it's not crazy unreasonable and when you're a working mom your time is so valuable and that's why you work. Like, use your resources to improve your quality of life, right? It's your yeah. money. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of... It depends on how you were raised and how you view money. I think I viewed money kind of the same way as you did. Like, your parents, like, we did everything ourselves. We were do-it-yourselfers. And, and I think I had, like, a money scarcity mentality. Like, we don't spend. That was frivolous. But I was like, this is not frivolous. Like, I'm mm-hmm. paying them for their time. I'm supporting a local entrepreneur who has better skills than I could. And my time is valuable. So don't feel guilty spending your money on things that will improve your quality of life and free up your time. Because time is the only resource that you can never get more of right you can get more money you can get more of practically anything but you cannot get more time yeah all right the next tip is kind of a silly one but I was like I hadn't thought of that before it was wear a robe or an apron over your clothes in the morning while you're getting your kids ready for work so you don't spill breakfast on it you don't get kids messy hands and I was like how frustrating would that be how frustrating would that be as like a working mom to like get dressed and then get like smudges all over your clothes like that would drive me crazy so Well, this morning before my kid went to school, he spilled, I had already gotten him dressed and he spilled yogurt all over his shirt and pants. I had to completely change him. And in the book, Lean In, she talked about a mom who was giving like a commencement speech at a graduation. And she admitted in the speech that she puts her kids to bed in their school clothes (laughs) because she needed to simplify her mornings because they had to wake up early, whatever reason. And when she first heard it, Sheryl Sandberg was like, I don't know if you should have publicly admitted that. But then when she became a mom, she was like... She is so smart. That is awesome. So mm-hmm. that concept of preparation in advance, have their, you don't have to put your kids to bed in their school clothes, but have it laid out. Do things to prepare as much as you can to make, you know, as part of your system, just in order to make things run more smoothly. Yeah, like in your routine, whatever you need to do to make things easier. Have like for me, our morning routine is crazy. So if I just put three cereal bowls with spoons in it and the cereal out on the uh, island the night before just that little step like makes it so much easier in the morning because I'm not running around opening cupboards and uh, tripping over people just every little thing that you can do do it the night before so that you can have a better morning and then um I also love this I saw this somewhere that said make everything like a race for your kids on you know like kids are like time me you're like run upstairs and get your shoes really quick I'll time you and they're like oh yeah like how fast can I go on really rough days make everything a race and then keep a little stockpile of stickers or fun little dollar store rewards um to give to your kids when you just need that extra little like come on let's get going so it doesn't turn into a a battle or a negative thing yeah i love that idea i never thought of that i know make it a race because that totally turns like rushing them like hurry get in the car we're gonna be late you know what i mean it's like the same you're getting the same result but in a much more they're gonna be much more cooperative and you're not gonna be the mean mom i love that that's so, a really good idea. We do it every morning here. I make my kids race to get dressed in the morning. I'm like, let's race and see if we can get dressed faster than them. 
And I think having stickers is a good idea because my kids are quick to be like, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to do that. But if you have stickers, if you have a reward, like, oh, yeah, they want that freaking sticker. I do not get the sticker thing. Can I just right? tangent? I don't like I never bought stickers for my kids because I was like, you put it on paper. Like, what do you do? You don't oh, do anything with this. Stickers are the they, best. They love stickers. Like, <laughs> why? I don't get, like, I always thought this is a stupid thing. Like, why? They're so made of, they're like, I want that freaking sticker. Like, I'm going to win. I want that sticker. I'm like, right? Sticker? Even, like, it's sticky. Like, little, what? <laughs> I don't get it. But you know what? Kids love it. So buy the stickers. I think, too, you can make, like, a chart. Like, how Angie, how you said in uh, a few episodes ago, the cards, you have your kids, yeah. they complete the tasks on the cards. Like, you could do that with your kids, but, like, hey, every morning when you get dressed on time, you get a sticker, and when you fill up, like, five days' worth or whatever, you get, like, a dollar store prize on the weekend or something. Just any, like, little and inexpensive thing that you need to do to help everyone have a happy routine in the morning or in the evening, do that. Yeah. And just another plug to make sure your husband is part of planning all of this because you don't have to drill yourself. Exactly. Um, Another step that is kind of funny to me but really important, don't get hangry. Like, a lot of working moms, you're like, you're commuting, you're in the car, you're picking up from childcare, here and there. Have some healthy snacks just packed in your car. So that, I, I don't know. I just feel like I can go from zero to 60 in, like, a second if I'm starving. Yeah. And after a long, busy day, if you can just, like, have a little pack of Cheez-Its or something, that can just alleviate so much hangriness. I have a friend who would keep uh, bulk packs of, like, pretzel bags or, like, the little goldfish I mean, like, Costco stuff in her car. She would never even bring it into her house. And that's because for her kids, first of all, breakfast things in the morning, but also herself when she was running around like crazy or at work and wasn't going to get a shit. Sometimes you have to skip lunch if you have a meeting or something. I've had situations where I've had to run from place to place and having something in my car that I could grab, it makes a huge difference. So anyway, don't be afraid to create a pseudo pantry in your car. Yeah, you we have to. we keep a bottle or a pack of water bottles and a box of Cheez-Its in the car at all times. Yeah. Just in case. And you never know too if you're going to get stuck in traffic or in an accident or something and you just need something. Like, I don't know. Yes. Mike and I are big like be preparators with the yes. car. All right. Our next tip is lists, lists, lists. Write it all down. But I'm going to put a caveat that make, don't fluff out your lists. You need to, we talked about this in our stay-at-home mom, that there is no such thing as doing it all and having it all. And once you realize that nobody can do it all, it helps you realize that what you need to do is just what's important. Like the whole goal is having kids who are healthy and thriving. So when you're making these lists, make sure that they are not fluffed out. Because that will just overwhelm you. There's nothing, and I, this is a problem I have seriously. And I would make my list while I was at work. Like if I had a second at work at my desk, I would like start making my list of things I need to do when I get home. And then I would forget that I'm going to be freaking tired. And I would (laughs) perpetually not finish everything on my list. And then that weighed me down. It arguably made me depressed. Like I was unfulfilled. I was not capable of doing what I needed to do. But the whole thing was I didn't need to do all of those things. I was fluffing it. I was fluffing it with all of these unnecessary things like, oh, call and schedule a play date with so-and-so. You know, it was like things that I really didn't need to do. So make your lists so you can stay organized and so you don't forget, but don't fluff it out. Make it what you need to do to accomplish the overall goal, which is happy and thriving kids. Yeah, I think something that I do that really works for me is I make a weekly list. Like I have a, um, I don't like scheduling things on my computer or phone. Like I like paper. I have a planner. I do too. I love it. I have a planner and I write out my week, the things that I need to do. And then every day I'm pretty flexible. Like 
I don't make things hard on yourself on days when you're really productive and cheerful and have extra time, cross off a few more things off that list. And on days when you're having a bad day, like cross out the things that are non-essential or that you can move to another day. Um, just, yeah, be just be flexible and be kind to yourself. Don't make life harder on yourself than it needs to be. I also noticed that when I was like over listing that I we don't write like hobby or free time or self-care on mm-hmm. our list. And because my list was so long and unreasonable, I never did those things. But when my list was literally like, kids doctor appointment grocery shopping one load of laundry then i would have i'd be like oh like I-, I i would i wouldn't feel weighed down by my list so i wouldn't feel bad taking a few minutes to like stop and play the piano or to go like lay on the couch and read a book when i got home because and also those things on my list were things my husband could help with but when mm-hmm. my list was like super long and detailed and unnecessary things that really didn't improve anybody's life I found myself never, I would feel guilty like sitting down to read. I would feel guilty to do anything that was like taking away from me accomplishing what was on that list. So be, yeah. don't let your lists be, turn you into a monster like they did to me. Can we put that on Instagram? Don't let your lists turn you into a monster. Yes. Oh, don't become a slave to your lists. Yeah. Uh, my last item, I feel weird ending on this because it's like not an inspiring one. So Angie, after this, will Wait. you end us like on a quote or something very inspiring? The yeah. I just feel like it's really plain. Um, It's to utilize your commutes. And in a small city, this might not make sense to you. And like growing up in Lewiston, Idaho, where Angie and I grew up, it takes five minutes to get anywhere. But now I live in San Antonio where you can get stuck in really busy traffic and you can be in the car 20, 30 minutes just going around the corner. So utilize that time in the car when you're with your kids they can practice their spelling words they can sit they can pull out their homework and do homework and if you're in the car by yourself on those commutes you can make phone calls schedule appointments try to catch up with the things that you need to do in the car that are safe like don't be texting and driving and being irresponsible but what you can do you i mean use that time in the car so think of the things you can do while just sitting there and do it, which is like the homework, the reading, the eating, the snack, the making the phone calls, scheduling appointments. So definitely take advantage of that time. Yeah. To end, I want to reinforce that you are doing such a good job and that even though it's hard and childcare is expensive, this is this is the plug I was talking about how expensive childcare is and it can be discouraging. It can make you want to quit. So I'm going to read this to end. One miscalculation that some women make is to drop out early in their careers because their salary barely covers the cost of childcare. Childcare is a huge expense and it's frustrating to work hard just to break even. But professional women need to measure the cost of childcare against their future salary rather than their current salary. Anna Feeler describes becoming a mom at 32 as the time when the rubber hit the road. She was a rising star in marketing. Anna was concerned that her after-tax salary barely covered her childcare expenses. With husbands often making more than wives, it seems like higher ROI to just invest in his career, she told me. But she thought about all the time and money she'd already invested in her career and didn't see how walking away made economic sense either. So she made what she called a leap of blind faith and stayed in the workforce. Years later, her income is many times greater than when she almost withdrew. Wisely, Anna and other women have started to think of paying for childcare as a way of investing in their family's future. As the years go by, compensation often increases. Flexibility typically increases too, as senior leaders often have more control over their hours and schedules. And then she goes on to say, what about men who want to leave the workforce? If we make it too easy for women to drop out of the 
career marathon, we also make it too hard for men. Just as women feel that they bear the primary responsibility of caring for their children, many men feel that they bear the primary responsibility of supporting their families financially. Their self-worth is tied mainly to their professional success, and they frequently believe that they have no choice but to finish that marathon. Choosing to leave a child in someone else's care and return to work is a difficult decision. Any parent who has done this, myself included, knows how heart-wrenching it can be. Only a compelling, challenging, and rewarding job will begin to make that choice a fair contest. And even after a choice is made, parents have every right to reassess along the way. Anyone lucky enough to have options should keep them open. Don't enter the workforce already looking for an exit. Don't put on the brakes. Accelerate. Keep a foot on the gas pedal until a decision must be made. That's the only way to ensure that when the day comes, there will be a real decision to make. So please don't feel guilty. Your kids are going to be fine. You are doing a great job making a difference in this world. Talk to your husband. Make sure you have support. But if you slow down and let these things hinder your success, then the decision has already been made. Yeah, and I want to know if you guys have any other tips or things that we can share on Instagram this week, uh, please hop on over to Instagram at Betterish Podcast and share them with us. We would love to hear from you working moms. Guys, thank you so much for being here. We truly consider you part of our Betterish gang. We would love to hear your thoughts about this week's episode. So email us at betterish.podcast at gmail.com or message and tag us on Instagram at betterish.podcast. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes and make it real good because we might just share it here on our next episode. And bonus points if you share the Betterish podcast with all of your friends.